TV has completely expanded into a a whole new world of perspectives, huh? It started with the real world. Was that the first one? The real world on MTV? And then uh, I think Survivor and then Big Brother. Unless Big Brother has been, had been around before Survivor. I don't really know, but um, my buddy Jeremy loved Big Brother. He had the subscription to big brother where you can watch these people 24 7 watch them in their house and it's interesting because social media has become our new reality television in many many ways another form of it another form of it um just like with reality television you can state you can stage certain things and do certain surprises and do special editing in certain ways where you can hatch the circumstance of conflict um, that does not actually reflect whatsoever what might have actually happened linearly see they have the they have the um, option and pleasure of being able to go non-linear with the editing so they can use outtakes. They can use all kinds of things to, to make it look like people suddenly get into fights and stuff like that. So um, game shows, that's a reality show. Um, Bachelorette. It's really interesting when I hear like this. I think of reality shows as an example whenever I think of people who are like, well, I don't know what to do. You know, my life is so boring or, you know, who would ever want to hear my kind of music or who would ever would want my kind of art or whatever. And then I, I start thinking about all the bazillions of bands, all the bazillions of artists, all the bazillions of, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, any sort of, any sort of anything, any sort of anything. And, um, they all have followers, people that vibe with those things. And, and what's the main commonality is it's that, that, diving deep into that commitment of what that thing is so it's like anybody can in a sense become the next sort of reality star and put that in quotes um whether it's someone on instagram someone on tiktok um youtube anywhere anywhere facebook um just by going deep into their specific thing you see that a lot with um, TikTok. You're presenting a particular image. You can edit these particular things the way that you want to edit them. You can present your life as it's, you know, as this character or as this, what you feel is the most authentic version of yourself. And um, things that you never thought would thing you're just like oh my gosh no wonder there's a following around this because this like there's a there's a channel where there's there's a woman who she's called meg the minimalist and her whole channel is all about being a minimalist 
It's all about her story as to why she became a minimal minimalist, her philosophies on being a minim, minimalist, the all of the reasons why minimalism is the way to go, her house, what you know, the minimalist, all answering all kinds of questions about kids' toys and artwork and you know all kinds of stuff. Clothes, what do you do with all your clothes? What about all your shoes? You know, and so she gets a kick out of it. So that's her thing. That's her, as one would say, the niche. Well, a niche. Plain and simple is just simply what you already love doing. If you got a collection of action figures, well, make a whole TikTok about that. You know, it's so interesting. So many different people. It's like anyone, anyone, if if they just put themselves out there and they put out the beacon, they can they can bring in those who who associate with that. Now, with reality TV, like you're saying, The Bachelorette, Bachelor, any of those kinds of shows, um. It's interesting how you can manufacture um, when you okay when you when you know that there are specific hot button issues that you know that people get boiled up over or they get really excited about or um, when you pertain to those specific kinds of things, uh, people will to you know they'll totally tune in for those things and uh, especially if you show conflicts um, marriage is a really big one food sex these kinds of things that are these sort of tokens that, they, that when someone holds up the carrot they go look come on over here go over here Ooh, ah, come on over here so Yeah, it's, I I don't know. I don't know what to think about. I haven't seen any of those shows, to be honest. Um, So I just find it interesting. I just find it so very interesting that, yeah, we, there's this idea, this, this just popping into my brain, how there's this idea that we'll, we'll tune into something like, let's say big brother, we'll get a, we'll get a 24 hour, you know, feed of someone else's just mundane life. And so we'll spend like someone will spend their life watching someone else's mundane life as if they were, you know, like, oh, what's going to happen next? Is is he going to sleep more than eight hours today? You know, oh, what's, what's going to happen next? She just stubbed her toe. Uh-oh, what's going to happen now? And so I've, I've really... I've really been in the habit, particularly during quarantine, of, you know, my slogan has sort of been... Become the media. Be the media. Be the media. And, uh, it's, it's a switching the perspectives. The, the observer from the observer to the participator. And just imagine all the music that you make, all the art that you make, how many people are out there going, whoa, you know, they're looking in closer, they're going, whoa, this is fascinating, this is incredible. 
it's interesting. A lot of times we can, you know, something that can just come so easily to us, painting, drawing, writing, music, etc., etc., something that could just come to it so easy to us. It's like, wow, I'm astonished that that person likes this thing. And we're going, well, that's something that they can't make. But then we think to ourselves, oh, geez, I'm so used to that thing. I played that riff so many times. But they've heard that riff the first time. So it's brand new and astonishing to them, just as it was brand new and astonishing to us when we unwrapped that riff the first time. We're offering them that opportunity to, to touch that, that epicenter. Huh. Anyway, thank you for the question. Thanks for the vision quest question. It's could live secure with the knowledge that their security did not rest upon the threat of instant U.S. retaliation to deter a Soviet attack, that we could intercept and destroy strategic ballistic missiles before they reached our own soil or that of our allies. I know this is a formidable technical task one that may not be accomplished before the end of this century. I call upon the scientific community in our country, those who gave us nuclear weapons, to turn their great talents now to the cause of mankind and world peace, to give us the means of rendering these nuclear weapons impotent and obsolete. Definitely listening to you, man behind the machine. Voicemails from Detroit. Yeah, they don't have any really brains, I should say, out there in Hollywood. Everything is just kind of rehashed, redone, and re put out there. There's so many more good stories that could be told in movies, so many more things. So it's all just basically. They want to do uh, what works. They don't want to go far from the norm. They're like, okay, we know we're going to be able to sell tickets, you know. And you're right. Look at what they did, Cyborg. Half a million dollars, and they made nine and a half million. It's not too bad, you know. You can still do movies like that. And they could probably even make more. Look at Clerks. I think the whole thing cost 25 grand. Made millions. And Clerks spawned into all kinds of different Clerks, you know. Number two, number three, they've already done it. And yeah, these contra hearings and everything like that, this is them coming out there after they get caught, saying that they did it. Then they end up in the news somehow. Look at Ali Norton. He's got his own news show. You know? Did he do any time? Did he really affect the presidency like they said? Not really. He went into hiding or he took some job. 
really gonna get charged with anything. Can't go to jail. Isn't that treason? Didn't get shot. He ended up on Fox or some one of these news stations. That's what it's all about. If you watch that link I just sent you, basically it's the exact same thing they're doing here in the United States. They're actually doing it over Australia as well because the guy talks about everything that parallels everything here. It's amazing how quickly they instill the new world order all over the world. Australia, mind you, exact same thing. They basically probably have dumbed down the people down there just like they do here, giving them Crocodile Dundee Part 54, which they can't stand anyways, but that's what they do. They mind dumb people with entertainment. And basically the politicians totally take over. Keep in mind, we put them into play. It's nuts. Yeah, you know, they're totally insane. I mean, statues are statues. Nobody really cares about statues. I mean, honestly. So they need to be carried about. Most people walk in the park and have no clue what the statue even meant. Because they haven't been taught what it meant. So they have no clue. Yeah. I give you a case in point. Right here close to town. They have a custer statue. For years they wanted to take it down. Whatever they do. They always about, well, you know, because of this, because of that. I'm like, well, at the end of the day, Custer was actually just a general. And it was actually the presidents who were running Custer. And so whatever they said, I don't care who it is, you go out and fight. That's what they did. Well, they used to fight north via the south. And the Civil War. And he won. I think almost 68 battles or something like that. Mind you, he led the battle. He didn't lead the battle from the news war room or some, you know, thing like that. He actually got on a horse and he fought the battle. And then they tried to take him down over his last battle, which, once again, was people he worked for or what he signed on to as a general. And they said, this is what you have to do. These people are evil. You know, do your thing. And that's what happened. You know, and he lost his last battle. Now, once again, what they'll try to do is they'll focus on, you know, hey, the last battle, Native Americans and everything like that. But if it wasn't for Custer and fighting the battles, they would have lost to the South, obviously, and we'd have a whole different
How many times did you walk by a statue, you know, or even know a statue and just stopped and looked at it? You know, we might have, but the youth today, they're walking right past it. They don't care. So to keep them up or take them down, you know, whatever, no big deal. I'll tell you the one I went crazy on was Christopher Columbus, you know. There you go. Perfect example of what's going on. They'll take down the statue, okay? They don't even really know the story behind this. Because they might know like, what they've been told, okay? Oh, well, we heard it from this guy. We know it. He's telling. But that's the life they live in, man. This whole cancel culture kind of thing. You know, once again, I'm not condoning certain things. I'm just saying that if you don't know what's going on, then how would you ever know the other side? Okay, so is history going to repeat itself? Who knows? It's a good chance. Is it because of a statue? I don't think so. But when you start to wipe things out like that, you know, that just shows you that they can keep doing it. Okay, well, if we do it to a statue, let's get rid of the books. Let's get rid of the story. Let's get rid of the history of it. I mean, really, do you really really know what happened to the Native Americans? Were you ever taught them in school? <laughs> no. Were you really taught about slavery in school? Maybe a little bit. I think the biggest thing they should be teaching children in school is just civics, the Constitution, what rights you have. Because you know what? You're losing them big time. And people don't even care. So much so that the election is a perfect example of that. It's like, wow, I can't believe the geniuses that are behind this one. And they're failing miserably. And yet I've got people stepping up. And some of them are even people in the law. My favorite one was when they were like, oh, well, you know, the judicial system. Well, there you go. You know, Trump lost because of the... You know, judges. Well, first of all, the judges are probably working for the other side. And the other thing is, too, when it comes to that, it's like, well, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and like, well, you know, I, I don't know, man, it seems like there's some election fraud going on here. I'm going to go to the courts and we're going to figure this out. And George looked at him and he said, well, listen, man, we haven't even set up the judicial branch yet, so we can't jump ahead of the game, but this is how it really works. It's the people. That's what the whole Constitution is about. Yeah, see, once again, there they are, man. The Robocops flipping out. We should learn from the movies. Don't trust the robots or half-human robots, because you know what? Somebody could hack into them. It's as simple as that. If they could hack into the voting machines, they could hack into the robots. Keep that in mind. It's as simple as that. If they could hack into the... Keep in mind, we used to hack into the airport back in the 70s that's right way back in the 70s we used to take the phone put it into the thing and there you go man your computer's running the big floppy disk as big as a record or I should say a cover record cover the record amazing where it would come on huh? yeah what the world needs is a crime free Detroit exactly I don't know Something's gonna happen. Uh, good luck.
interesting. And I'm curious to see if uh, it had a lot to do with um, basically where the movie industry was going here at the time. We used to have a lot of movies here. And then it kind of faded. And I came back around and Hollywood tried to step in and do their thing. And my thought has always been, it's like, we can do it ourselves. People come here. We don't need them to come here. But then I had these people like tell me, well, you know, when Hollywood comes here, there's just so much more pizzazz buying. And I'm like, we don't need that. We can do our own pizzazz. We can hire our own people. We know how to make movies. I'm doing it for years. You know? We got all the crews. We got all the trucks. We got all the cameras. Sometimes we actually have the stuff from before Hollywood even has most of the stuff. Yeah, they definitely they definitely need Serge on there for sure. I'd put him before the RoboCop guy any day. But it's interesting because we have a lot of people here that, you know, who have done mountains of things, you know, they don't have statues, you know. I don't think we have one Motown statue for anybody in Motown, even on the Motown lawn, there's not even a statue of Barry Gordy, it's a sign. You know, you think they have a couple people, maybe even Stevie. You know, they've got streets named after people, and things named after Motown legends here. You know, but they don't have any statues or anything like that. So, but they might have a RoboCop statue coming soon. I don't know where it's going to be at, but I'm not really looking forward to it. But I'm sure it's going to be there one day. Yeah, you know, we're kind of doing that now. We got the After Hours Network, we do production. Basically, though, it's the future, so we're just sticking with the internet, working on TV shows, commercials, music videos, stuff like that. It's easy to get around. It's really what people are into. They don't want a lot of stuff nowadays. As you can see, their brains are really not thinking. They just want the same old, same old. So we're going to kind of compete with that. So we give them new, but at the same time, too, we give them the future and fast because that's what they want. So... Now, maybe it's a little better because, you know, direct to TV is going to be the way to go. You know, you never did that in the past. So now it's kind of a brand new day for independent artists and stuff like that. They really need to, you know, get independent artists out there and distribute their stuff, you know. But once again, they got such a lockdown on it. They won't even do that. They'll just be like, oh, you know, let's get out the. Batman 35 or whatever the hell they're at now. Uh-huh. Or let's bring back Michael Keaton or George Clooney or whatever is Batman and Michelle Pfeiffer. You know, I'd rather do that than take a chance on anything new that's exciting. You know, I couldn't even imagine the cool movies about Motown or just the city itself of Detroit. It's just huge. You know, and what's happened with the music and television and I was just talking about the other day with radio, you know, lots of shows that came out of Detroit. Like I said, every time I turn around, they've been talking about it. They've been working on the statue. I'm not kidding you. Listen, I've heard about this rumor for 10 years now, literally about this RoboCop statue. We're like, where the hell are they going to put it? You know, it's like, once it comes out there, we'll make sure we're there to cover it. I'm sure we will be. So we got the Wahlburgers before we got the RoboCop. And that failed, but, you know, we're going to be getting it. Yeah, it's the way to go, man. I mean, that's where everybody's at. I was really 
doing too much besides that and we're able to really make it happen and i like that great part about here in detroit too is we just go out and we film stuff the music video i did for kelly jean it was all live all throughout the city you know it's a great city got some great shots you know and uh a lot of people even looked at it like wow is that green screen i'm like yeah it looks kind of like a green screen but no we actually went out and showed people what it's all about and we even did a music video that didn't make Detroit look like some desolate urban city, you know. We actually showed some life in the whole thing. Which is interesting now because we're starting to lose a lot of that because of the new gentrification that's going on, which is cool to see. I mean, if you came to Detroit within the last 10 years, you'd be quite amazed on where it's come to since then. And it's very unique, you know. It's very unique, the settings of Detroit and what it goes on. It's quite amazing, you know. A lot of people would come and say, well, you know, they, they gentrified. I'm like, well, yeah, they did. They had to sometime, you know. It's going to happen. I'm glad it kind of did because it brings a lot of people into the city. All flavors, mind you. But I mean, people always see it as just one way. But it's great because, like I said, you know, there's a great city which people should actually come down and visit, you know. And it's nice. It really is. It's like quite an amazing town now that they've actually... You know, put a lot of businesses down there, and a lot of people are, you know, just, you know, you got hundreds of thousands of people in the city now, when 15 years ago you'd have maybe a thousand or two. Television formats portraying ordinary people in unscripted situations are almost as old as the television medium itself. Producer host Alan Font's candid camera in which unsuspecting people were confronted with funny, unusual situations and filmed with. Nineteen forties, nineteen fifties. Precedents for television that portrayed people in unscripted situations began in the late nineteen forties. Queen for a Day was an early example of reality-based television. The 1946 television game show Cash and Carrie sometimes featured contestants performing stunts. Debuting in 1948, Alan Funt's hidden camera show Kansas Camera broadcast unsuspecting ordinary people reacting to pranks. In 1948, talent search shows, such as Ted Mack's original Amateur Hour and Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts, featured amateur competitors and audience voting. In the 1950s, game shows Beat the Clock and Truth or Consequences involved contestants in wacky competitions, stunts, and practical jokes. Confession was a crime police show that aired from June 1958 to January 1959. With interviewer Jack Wyatt questioning criminals from assorted backgrounds, the radio series Nightwatch tape recorded the daily activities of Culver City, California police officers. The series You Asked For It incorporated audience involvement by basing episodes around requests sent in by postcard from viewers. You're Another, a science fiction short story by American writer Damon Knight, was first published in the June 1955 issue of the magazine of fantasy and science fiction. It is perhaps the earliest fictional depiction of what is now called reality television. Charlie Chaplin's last leading role in his self-directed 1957 film A King in New York featured a sequence in which a party his character attends his broadcast live without his knowing. An early broad reference to reality television in a feature film. 
1960s, 1970s edit. First broadcast in the United Kingdom in 1964, the Granada television documentary 7-Up. Broadcast interviews with a dozen ordinary seven-year-olds from a broad cross-section of society and inquired about their reactions to everyday life. Every seven years, the filmmaker created a new film documenting the lives of the same individuals during the intervening period. Titled the Up series, episodes included 7 plus 7, 21 Up, etc. It is still ongoing. The program was structured as a series of interviews with no element of the plot. By virtue of the attention paid to the participants, it effectively turned ordinary people into a type of celebrity, especially after they became adults. The first reality show in the modern sense may have been the series The American Sportsman, which ran from 1965 to 1986 on ABC in the United States. A typical episode featured one or more celebrities, and sometimes their family members, being accompanied by a camera crew on an outdoor adventure, such as hunting, fishing, hiking, scuba diving, rock climbing, wildlife photography, horseback riding, race car driving, and the like. With most of the resulting action and dialogue being unscripted, except for the narration. In the 1966 direct cinema film Chelsea Girls, Andy Warhol filmed various acquaintances with no direction given. The Radio Times Guide to Film 2007 said that the film was to blame for reality television. The 12-part 1973 PBS series An American Family showed a nuclear family going through a divorce. Unlike many later reality shows, it was more or less documentary in purpose and style. In 1974 a counterpart program, The Family, was made in the UK. Following the working-class Wilkins family of Reading, other forerunners of modern reality television were the 1970s productions of Chuck Barris, The Dating Game, The Newlywed Game, and The Gong Show, all of which featured participants who were eager to sacrifice some of their privacy and dignity in a televised competition. The 1976-1980 BBC series The Big Time featured a different amateur in some field trying to succeed professionally in that field, with help from notable experts. How's it going, man behind the machine? This is your old pal, Jack. Hanging out, listening to your podcast. In between breaks here while shooting my newest sci-fi film. It's under wraps, so let's just pretend I didn't say anything. (laughs) I kill myself.
2000s edit reality television became globally popular in the late 1990s and early 2000s with the successes of the Big Brother and Survivor slash Expedition Robinson franchises. In the United States, reality television programs suffered a temporary decline in viewership in 2001, leading some entertainment industry columnists who to speculate that the genre was a temporary fad that had run its course citation needed. Reality shows that suffered from low ratings included The Amazing Race although the show has since recovered and is in its 32nd edition. Lost unrelated to the better known serial drama of the same name and The Mole which was successful in other countries 21 but stronghold shows Survivor and American Idol continued to thrive. Both topped the U.S. season average television ratings in the 2000s. Survivor led the ratings in 2001-02, and Idol has the longest hold on the No. 1 rank in the American television ratings, dominating over all other primetime programs and other television series in the overall viewership tallies for eight consecutive years, from the 2003-2004 to the 2010-2011 television seasons. Internationally, a number of shows created in the late 1990s and 2000s have had massive global success. At least 10 reality television franchises created during that time have had more than 30 international adaptations each. The singing competition franchises Idol 22, Star Academy 23, and The X Factor, along with other competition franchises such as Survivor slash Expedition Robinson, Big Brother, The Biggest Loser, Got Talent, Top Model, Master Chef, and Dancing with the Stars, and the investment franchise Dragon's Den. Several reality game shows from the same period have had even greater success, including Deal or No Deal, Who Wants to be a millionaire and weakest link with over 50 international adaptions each all but three of these franchises top model the biggest loser and dragon's den were created by either british producers or the dutch production company and although dragon's den originated in japan most of its adaptations are based on the british version in India, the competition show Indian Idol was the most popular television program for its first six seasons 24. During the 2000s, three television channels were started that are devoted exclusively to reality television. Fox Reality in the United States, which operated from 2005 to 2010. Global Reality Channel in Canada, which lasted two years from 2010 to 2012. And CBS Reality, formerly known as Reality TV and then Zone Reality, in the United Kingdom, which has run from 1999 to the present. In addition, several other cable channels, including Bravo, A ampersand E. TLC, History, VH1, and MTV changed their programming during the 2000s to feature mostly reality television series 25. During the early part of the 2000s, network executives expressed concern that reality television programming was limited in its appeal for DVD reissue and syndication. But DVDs for reality shows sold briskly, Laguna Beach. The Real Orange County, The Amazing Race, Project Runway, and America's Next Top Model all ranked in the top DVDs sold on Amazon.com. In the mid-2000s, DVDs of the Simple Life outranked scripted shows such as The O.C. and Desperate Housewives.
Syndication, however, has been problematic. Shows such as Fear Factor, Cops, and Wife Swap, in which each episode is self-contained, can be rerun fairly easily, but usually only on cable television or during the daytime. Cops and America's Funniest Home Videos being exceptions. Season-long competitions such as The Amazing Race, Survivor, and America's Next Top Model generally perform more poorly and usually must be rerun in marathons to draw the necessary viewers to make it worthwhile. Even in these cases, it is not always successful. The first ten seasons of Dancing with the Stars were picked up by GSN in 2012 and was run in marathon format but attracted low viewership and had very poor rotty.